The Word of God says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named David, a descendant of David, a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. She looked dazed and confused in that moment, I'm sure. Scared and a bit excited. A counselor friend of mine long ago gave me a little word and an acrostic to understand human emotions. The word sachet. S-A-S-H-E-T. Spelled that way. Sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. Think about those six emotions and consider your life. Consider the places of those feelings. Consider what it was like to be merry in that moment. Sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. I don't know how many of those emotions are alive in you at this moment, but I'm quite confident that in your life, frequently, you've encountered every one of them. And I'm also sure that Mary, if not on that moment when that angel first came, Uh, But in the storyline that stretched from that announcement all the way to this moment and beyond, Mary experienced every single one of those emotions. But maybe in that very first moment, it was simply like this. She was excited and scared. In the drama we just heard, one of the characters suggested that she was scared and sad. But in that first moment, it was excited and scared. And I think it's likely that in the months to come, she experienced every single one of those emotions. Undoubtedly, to have a real encounter with the presence of God in the form of an angel named Gabriel must have been overwhelming. She had no category for it. She didn't know how to deal with it or how to face it. It just came rushing at her in that moment. Not just the sheer experience of the moment, but the words and the promise given to her. And what to think about it and what to make of it and what it would mean. A promise, a gift, but what were the implications? How how was it going to work out? Where was this going to go? She experienced one of the most common feelings and emotions that's ever been present in human life, and that's richly present in our world and probably your life and my life today as well. And that is the feeling or the emotion of fear. I just want you to think about how it can shape out, shake out in different ways in people's lives. A friend of mine just got a diagnosis of a particular form of cancer, a, a very virulent form of liver cancer. The medical prognosis is not promising at all. It's fear not just knocking on the the door of the heart of him and his wife right now. I I have a feeling that fear has already moved in and made itself at home in their experience in just the last couple of days. The economy is doing pretty well right now, isn't it? But I think of another friend who's been without work, and the months are starting to stretch on. 
It wasn't that long ago that the money was fine, but not so now. And there's still the normal expenses of home and family, but now a child in college and another one entering college just around the corner, and suddenly you don't know what to make of it. I have another friend I haven't seen in a long time. He lives a long way away from here. His life right now, I don't know how it's going this morning, but I'll tell you what, what was true of him last night. His home was in danger, his place of employment was in danger, and his church was in danger. He lives in the vicinity of Montecito and Santa Barbara, California. He teaches at a Christian college where he's a professor named Westmont. He goes to a church called Montecito Covenant. Thirteen days ago, a fire started that was 40 miles away when it began. But by yesterday afternoon, it was only half a mile from that church. The people at church are well acquainted with things like this. Nine years ago in 2008, when another fire hit the area, 21 families in that one single church lost their houses, destroyed. There are people who know what it's like to be at home with fear and to have it coming at you and knocking at the door of your life. Maybe there's nothing as momentous as cancer in your life right now or unemployment or for sure here right now, a fire encroaching on our home and our business and our church building. But fear affects every one of us. Maybe you can identify with the story of the little boy who had the role, believe it or not, of the angel Gabriel in the Christmas pageant in his church one year. He had a real simple line. And his mom went over that line with him again and again and again. It was real simple. It went like this. It is I. Do not be afraid. And he would just repeat those words. He'd walk around the house. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. Do not be afraid. But when the day came for him to step out and have that role in the Christmas pageant on that day, he stepped out and all he could see for a moment were the light shining in his face and the perception of all those people out there in the audience. And he was paralyzed. He couldn't remember anything. It was uncomfortable, the silence in those moments, until finally he said, It's me and I'm scared. That's what it's like in life. But the message that God gave through Gabriel to Mary long ago is a message he still speaks into your life and my life today. Do not be afraid. He didn't speak President Roosevelt's words. I think in American history we're grateful for what President Roosevelt said. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. But the truth is, that's just kind of a line to encourage people. It's not necessarily true. Right now, my friend still has cancer. My other friend is still without employment. My other friend still has fires raging near his life. And there are no particular guarantees about any of their experiences right now. The problems are real, but God's word is still to us, do not fear. In fact, more literally translated, stop being afraid. Stop being afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayers. Stop being afraid, Mary. God loves you, and he's blessing you, and he's going to care for you. And when God's grace comes into someone's life, it comes with welcome and adoption and love and forgiveness and God's presence and God's purpose for our lives. He had something for Zechariah to do. He had something for Mary to do. He has something for you and me to do. 
And although our experiences are so different, there's something profoundly similar. God's basis for saying to us, do not be afraid, always comes back to this. Jesus' presence in your life. Mary, don't be afraid because my son is going to be born in you. Human beings, do not be afraid, not because there's nothing dangerous out there. Do not be afraid because God's son wants to be alive in you. That's what Christmas is about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this story that most of us know really well, but we've experienced it and seen it a little bit different. We felt it just a little bit differently this morning than we have before. We've seen how it's real in our world. And we remember that the story of Christmas is this, that the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The neighborhood of poverty or unemployment or uncomfortable, uneven, difficult relationships between men and women of unexpected pregnancies and uncertain responses of cancer and unemployment and fires and of just being afraid of our shadow sometimes. Help us know that Jesus is with us and Jesus gets us because Jesus lived in this very world that we live in now. May he be alive in us today. Amen.